And the title of my sermon this morning is simply The One. You know, there was so much material as I was putting the sermon together that I made it into two sermons, and they're going to be delivered on two different Sundays. The title each Sunday will be the same, The One. But the theme changes. And this morning, my theme is, Who's Your One? My text is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, for both sermons. This morning, we cover verses 1 through 10. The next sermon will be verses 11 through 32. And we have it printed for you in the NIV for your easy reference. And of course, I provide the outline for you to kind of follow my path. Walk with me as I always do through Psalm 1914. And so, dear Lord, this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen? Amen. You know, if you are a parent, <clears throat> you probably have experienced this story. And if you're not a parent, when you become one, you probably will. You know, Kathy and I were visiting Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco some few years back with our children. And it was crowded. And we found a spot where we could hear the band, although we were quite a distance from them, but we could hear the music. After a time, I turned to Kathy and I said, where's Teresa, our four-and-a-half-year-old? We began to look for Teresa everywhere, literally running up and down the pier, shouting her name, as loud as we could, not caring what anybody else thought or the scene we created. And we ran for a time in panic, looking everywhere, and we couldn't find her. And as we made our way through the thick crowd, we noticed a little person on the balcony overlooking the band, sitting there, listening, and enjoying the music. <laughs> Teresa? But there was so much relief on my part. I know my eyes swelled, but Kathy actually wept with joy and happiness. And I don't think we have ever hugged Teresa as hard and kissed her as much now as we did then. You know, looking back, we were not a bit embarrassed about the way we acted on that pier. We didn't care what anybody thought. We didn't care what anybody saw or what they said about what we were doing. We were concerned about only one thing. Only one thing mattered to us, and that was the thing on our mind, and that was to find our daughter. It didn't matter. It didn't matter anything else. So have you ever lost something of value that is really really important to you, and it mattered so much to you, and yet you couldn't find it. Once you realized it, what did you do? Well, then you immediately set out to try to find it. You dropped everything, and you went out looking for it. Do you remember when you found it? Do you remember the, the joy and the relief and the happiness that you felt? Maybe it was your wallet. Maybe it was a credit card, a wedding ring, or maybe it was your child. I wonder how many of you have ever lost a kid. I'll tell you, 
If you have never lost a child, you've never had one. And if you're young parents or parents-to-be, let me give you a tip. Before your kid quits being a kid, you are going to lose that kid. Kids are like ninjas. They just have a way of disappearing right before your very eyes. And that story, however, reminded me of how important one person is and just how much a part that one is in our lives. You know, we all live one heartbeat at a time. We all take in air one breath at a time. And you're only one person. And there can only be a place, one place at a time for you. And I would take that, I believe I can make the case that God's favorite number is number one. For the first thing he tells us that he wants us to know about himself is this. There's only one God, and he is that God. You know, to this day, devout Jews begin their day and they end their day by saying the Shema. It's a Jewish prayer, Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You know, as indicated by my introduction, I'm beginning a sermon I'm calling the one. And the theme this morning is, who's your one? I didn't make up that theme. That theme came from the heart of God. Listen, in probably the most famous parable Jesus ever told, he shows us why, if we have the heart of God, we should have a heart for that one person who doesn't know God, for that one person who needs to hear that gospel, for that one person who is lost and needs to be found. You know, the parable is set up by who Jesus is talking about. So our text, Luke 15, begins with verses 1 and 2, which state, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Both the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You know, one of the things that set Jesus apart from every other rabbi or religious leader is that he regularly hung out and associated with people called sinners. But they weren't always bad people. They were just people who either didn't follow the laws of the Old Testament or they didn't go to synagogue or to temple or they didn't particularly cross the religious T's and dot the religious I's that the religious crowd expected. And they were either Gentiles or they were non-observant Jews. It was taboo for a respectable Jew to interact or to associate with sinners or Gentiles. You couldn't even share a meal with them. If you met them on the street... You crossed over to the other side. You weren't to have eye contact or verbal communication with anyone like that. Well, you can imagine Jesus committed a double felony because we are told here he welcomed sinners and eats with them. But here's the problem in a nutshell. The religious crowd only cared about people similar to them who were in the temple. And Jesus cared about the one that was outside the temple. And the religious crowd built walls, but Jesus built bridges. The religious crowd shut the doors, locked the doors. Jesus took the doors out because Jesus was looking for number one. And this number one wasn't him, it was others. And so I'm calling us today to begin looking out for our number one. 
And Jesus tells us why and how this happens when we do. So first in your outline, consider we should properly visualize our one. And so our text, Luke 15, 3 and 4 states, Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? You know, in a previous sermon I shared that many people have always thought that Jesus told three parables in this chapter. He actually only tells one parable, but it has three parts. He talks about a lost sheep, a lost silver coin, and a lost son. And the question that Jesus asked is really rhetorical. Because one thing everybody in that crowd who's listening to Jesus, in other words, the churchgoers, the non-churchgoers, the, the, the saints and the sinners, they would all agree that if a shepherd lost his sheep, he would go after that sheep. You see, back then, shepherds didn't care about some of the flock or most of the flock. They cared about all of the flock, and especially when one sheep gets lost. Why? Because sheep just tend to wander off. They don't even know that they're lost. They don't even care that they're lost. And they're too stupid to find their way back again. So I want you to know this about most that are out there. They're lost. And they need to find Jesus. And Jesus then moves on from a lost sheep in our parable to lost silver. In our text, Luke 15, 8 says, or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Now again, all the women listening to Jesus would have been nodding their heads and agreeing with him. See, back in that day, women lived in small houses about the size of a single-car garage. Most of them didn't have windows, and they only had one door, and the house tended to be very dark and cold. But like the shepherd, she begins frantically to look for that coin. She turns the house inside out and upside down, trying to find it. Now why did the shepherd look for the sheep? And why did the woman look for the silver? Well, because it bothered them. And it burdened them that one thing was lost. You know, how did they know that it was lost? Because they counted they knew how many sheep they had. They knew how many sheep remained. They knew how many silver coins she had. They knew how many remained. You know, the church is often criticized about being concerned with numbers. Well, we ought to be concerned about numbers because numbers are people. Now, people are not numbers, but numbers are people. With people, you count numbers, and one number we should always be concerned about, that's our Number one. Now the reason why the Pharisees did not understand why Jesus hung around sinners and why he welcomed sinners is not only because they saw themselves as not sinners, but because they didn't see sinners the way God sees sinners. See, God sees everyone who doesn't know him as someone who is lost. You need to begin to see a person far from God the same way you would see a child of yours who is lost. And you will then see a lost one in a totally different light. You know, to some in the community, one lost sheep wasn't a big deal. 
To some women in the community, one lost silver coin was not a big deal, but it was a big deal to that shepherd. And it was a big deal to that woman because it was their sheep and it was their silver. You know, every person on this planet belongs to God and God loves lost people and it matters to him. And what matters to God ought to matter to us. I want to remind us all that we are all in this chapter. We are all in this parable. You know, there was a time that we were lost sheep, we were lost coins, and we were a lost son. We were lost, but now we've been found. I want you to keep that in mind when you're looking at number one or for number one, and I want you to properly visualize that number one. Second in your outline, consider we should personally evangelize our one. Let's go back to the first part of this parable. And notice what the shepherd does when he realizes that one sheep has been lost. Going back to Luke 15, 4. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Notice something. He's so focused on one lost sheep that he leaves the other 99 out in the open country. He could have left them in a sheep pen. But no, they're out in the open country. And normally a shepherd would never leave his sheep so exposed except in the case of a lost sheep. And the same thing is true of the woman. Luke 15, 8 says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? She's not worried about the other nine coins. She is pouring all her attention and all her concentration and all of her effort on that one single lost coin. By the way, the word carefully is only used one time in the Bible, right here. That word was like obeying a command of a king. And you had better obey the command. This is no take it or leave it, ho-hum, flippantly casual search. She is literally looking in every corner, every nook, every square inch of this house. She's turning it upside down, inside out, lighting lamps, sweeping floors, giving everything she got just to try to find that one simple coin. And this coin wasn't worth a whole lot of money. Today it might be worth 18 cents. What is the big deal about one coin or one sheep? You lose one out of a hundred sheep, that's not bad. See, any businessman will tell you that if he had a 99% profit margin, he would be satisfied. In fact, the major grocery stores in this country work off about a 92% profit margin. In other words, there can be 8% shoplifting, and the owner would still have enough of a profit margin to make it worth his time. So why? Would a shepherd leave 99 to go after one? Why would a woman worry about one coin when she had nine left? Well, let's get this straight. It wasn't because one sheep or one coin was so valuable in and of itself. Because neither the coin nor the sheep had that kind of value. The reason why the shepherd looked for that sheep and that woman looked for that one silver coin was because of their love, their care, 
and the meaning to them for the one that was lost. What made that sheep and that silver so valuable was the love and the concern of the one who had lost it. One of the greatest discoveries that I have made, and you probably have made it as well, is that Jesus does not love us because we are valuable. We are valuable because Jesus loves us. Those coins, that sheep was valuable because they were loved. Now there's something else about the sheep and the silver. They both had something else in common. Not only were they both lost, but they were both found. It was the shepherd that found the sheep, and it was the woman that found the silver. Let me let you in on a little secret. Lost things never find themselves. Someone has to find someone that is lost. If someone does not look for something that is lost, it will stay lost. We, if we don't go out looking for our lost one, that lost one will live lost until someone goes out to find that lost one, perhaps other than our disobedient self. Let me get this really down to a point where it's understandable. If you really love Jesus, you're going to love what Jesus loves, and he loves that one. And when you properly visualize the one who was lost, you're going to want to personally evangelize that one that is lost. And as God found you, you want to help others be found as well. Understand, we really don't find God. God finds us. You know, there's a story about a little girl who lived close to a big forest. And she wandered off into the forest, and it didn't take long before she was lost. She couldn't get her way back. And so she screamed and then cried and then wept. Eventually, she just laid down, fell asleep on some grass. And it wasn't long until her father began looking for her. He looked for two hours, calling her name, and suddenly he sees her laying on the grass. And he runs over to her as fast as he could, and he woke her up. And when she woke up, she jumped into his arms, hugged him and kissed him and said, Daddy, I'm so glad I found you truth of the matter is we don't find God. God finds us. God finds us and he wants his people who have been found to be looking out for number one. Who is your one? Who is the one you're looking for? Be used by God for the lost that he intends to draw. Third in your outline, I want you to consider that we should purposely prioritize our one. Now, both the shepherd and the woman do something that would have shocked the crowd listening to this story. It would have left them scratching their heads. They both throw a party. Our text, Luke 15, 6, states, Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And then Luke 15, 9 states, And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Now just imagine. This shepherd throws a big party and all of his friends and neighbors come to celebrate. They don't even know what they're going to celebrate, but they're just happy that we're invited to the party. 
And when they all get there, before they sit down to eat and drink, he points to this one little lamb and simply says, this sheep was lost, now it is found. Let's party. You are at the party thinking to yourself, it's just one sheep. And you still have 99. Sheep are just property. Everybody loses sheep now and then. It is just the cost of doing business. Now what about the woman? She probably spent more on the party than the coin was worth that she found. Celebrating a sheep is strange enough, but to celebrate 18 cents, one drachma, it's just weird. The coin was worth less than the sheep. Why does Jesus put this celebration in the story? Well, here's the point to this entire parable. Lost people matter to God. What matters to God should matter to us. Heaven throws a party where lost people are found. And the way God concludes this story, it's a punch in the gut to this religious church-going, got-it-all-figured-out crowd. Luke 15, 7 states, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And then Luke 15, 10, in the same way I tell you there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Stop and think about that. God doesn't throw a party or rejoice when our team wins or we get a promotion or we get a big raise or we have our picture in the front page of the paper. God throws a party every time one person repents and gets right with God and surrenders his life to Jesus and that lost person is found. That is when God says, it's party time. Nothing makes God sadder than people who are lost, and nothing makes God gladder than when people are found. God doesn't throw a party when we tithe, when we reached our budget, when we play, pay off our mortgage. He throws a party when lost people are found. God gets happy when the right crowd goes out looking for the wrong crowd to make them a part of the right crowd, that's when God says, party time. You know, the question is, who is your number one? The one lost person matters to God, and what matters to God should matter to us. We need to prioritize looking for our number one, because that is what makes heaven happy. And when that one is found, it maximizes the joy and thrill in heaven. Anyway, let me tell you, you're not going to find your one in the walls of this church. Nor are you going to find your one in a small group. Your one is out there, a neighbor, down the street, around the corner. You know, Jesus came to earth and died on the cross and came back from the grave because God was looking for his one. I was his one. You were his one. You know, who is your one? We are to be used of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit works with us in reaching those that the Lord has drawn. Well, service is over. My next sermon is part two, and I'm looking forward to it.
for the delivery. Trust that you'll be here and you'll listen to Luke 15, verses 11 to 32. Amen? Amen. 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 We'll see you next week.